Hello, welcome to the podcast of Startup Recruitment Failures. I'm Indra, founder and CEO of JobRely. We are building LinkedIn automation platform for outbound recruitment. And today my guest is Mendogas Patrutas, CEO at Coho. Mendogas, could you please introduce yourself and your company? Sure. Thanks for um, for having me. So I'm Mendogas. Um, I'm the CEO, co-founder of a company called Coho. We are the direct-to-experience uh, learning network for professional growth. And what that means is essentially we build highly curated communities and spaces for tech professionals. Um, so folks in uh, design, engineering, data science, chiefs of staff, marketing, sales, and business development who have certain career challenges or goals. Um, and we uh, curate uh, kind of a peer-to-peer learning experience around them. This is nice. And uh, this is a global uh, company, like in which countries are you operating? Yeah. So, I mean, we're incorporated in the US. I'm <clears throat> the CEO. I'm based in Lisbon, Portugal. We have uh, some of the team in the Netherlands, in the UK, in the States, in Canada, in Turkey, um, so we're we're kind of spread around the world, and we we just have a registered office somewhere, I think, in San Francisco, but not an actual office. I see, very nice. And um, what kind of the recruitment failures you had? Maybe you could uh, share your uh, experience and uh, your learnings. Sure. So <clears throat> I think the one that kind of comes to mind, and and I and I'll set the scene, and I think you know especially critical in, in early stage uh, companies. So Coho uh, came from a company called uh, On Deck, um, where we built these, um, these fellowships. Um, that's where I, you know, I joined two years ago. And so when you build one of these fellowships or communities, if you will, from, from zero to one, I joined as, as the program director and what your, your role is to essentially bring this community to life from nothing. So you, you join with, you know, you bring your network, your ideas, uh, and then you start building out your value proposition. It's, it's essentially build, like building a company from, from scratch. Mm-hmm. And at some point in that process, you, hire somebody else into the team, sort of like a, a program associate to help you with a lot of the day-to-day uh, operations. And I think there was probably, you know, a, a big miss on my part where I was extremely busy. Um, there was a team already who, you know, was uh, willing to support in in hiring, helping hire this uh, program associate. And I think the lesson for me there was I should have uh, really taken ownership of that process myself because when I when I reflect back on it now that first person joining right you're just going to be a person a, a team of two people uh, you're building something from scratch uh, and so you need to know each other extremely well uh, and support each other and if you were not part of the process of, of hiring that person the chances of it not working out um, are extremely high and it doesn't always, you know, need to be the case that um, it's the fault of the person that gets hired. It's the fault of the process itself, if that makes sense. Okay, and 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 what happened? Uh, like, how much were you involved, and uh, what what did you miss? I wasn't at all, and so I think that was the the miss uh, or the big mistake on on my part, right? Where I was so busy, 
I had a lot of things to to do in in building this community out. And when somebody offered me assistance in taking that off my plate, instead of saying, sure, I'll take the help, uh, but let me be involved in some way, I basically said, you know what, I'm so busy, somebody's offering to take it off my, my hands. You guys take it and, you know, just... When the person is is ready to join, just let me know who that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was the the biggest kind of mistake that that I made. And what happened when that person joined your team? I think it was just not a a good mix. Like there's no other way, you know, to to go about it, right? It, it was there was a lot to do. The onboarding process from from my side into the community was probably not uh, the right way, and it probably wasn't a fit um, for that person. And so what that ended up impacting is the work that we had to do because there was, you know, a, a point where I had to look at who was doing what and that the other person's kind of spirit or heart was not in this, right? And so we had to part, part ways. But the problem was uh, I had launched the community the experience was running on what, you know, for context, what that means is running multiple It's for like a uh, very intense eight weeks. There are events happening nearly on a daily basis. You have a hundred people in your community who have joined, who have paid to join, have a lot of expectations of you. And so, yeah, what, what, what happened was, is, is letting somebody go in the heat of that process you know, was really tough because it then falls just fully on my shoulders to manage everything because you're not going to have somebody step in the same day to to help you. Luckily, the team was able to get me somebody who was amazing and kind of helped me uh, get back on track. But still, it was a very, very intense kind of moment in, in time that, you know, was very stressful and exhausting. Mm-hmm. And uh, how long did it take for you to realize that this is not a perfect fit? There was a moment, I think one night where it was maybe like 12 a.m. or 1 a.m. And, and I I felt like I had cleared a bunch of tasks of my to-do list and there seemed like there was no no end to it. And, and something, you know, just kind of came to my mind, like, wait a minute, something's not, something doesn't feel right here, right? There's, there's just too much on on this to-do list. And so then I, you know, I went and, and talked to uh, some of the other team members from the rest of the organization and just really uh, tried to assess whether I was correct in, in my thinking before making any, you know, snap decisions or accusations, right? Because that, that would be the worst thing to do in like the heat of the moment. And, and yeah, from there, that kind of confirmed my suspicions and had to, you know, take action uh, based based on that. Mm-hmm. And um, how, how much involved are you now and what would be your recommendation for other hiring managers? Yeah, I think when uh, then my team, uh, I started expanding the team after the first fellowship or cohort. So we would onboard people like three to four, four times a year, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. uh, in, in groups, in cohorts. And so after the first cohort finished, I started planning for the second one and um, I had to hire um, uh, somebody else for, for the team. And so I made sure like that, that was such a learning moment um, that I made sure to as busy as I was 
to find time in my day to be part of that process and to ensure that, you know, the person that was going to end up joining the team, uh, one, had the right expectations, was excited about working with me and on the thing that we were building. Um, so that was uh, kind of the biggest thing that I changed, that I carved out the time in, in my day to ensure I was part of that process. And that hasn't changed since. And I think it's it's such a learning moment that I don't think uh, I'm, I, I want to change that um, going forward, right? Mm-hmm. But in terms of the involvement, um, so, well, uh, many companies do that, right? Uh, many hiring managers actually do that, that um, they uh, give uh, the recruitment task or responsibility for other people, recruiters, uh, to do. Yeah. And the involvement then is basically to have one interview, like one hour call or meeting, and then to make the final decision, right? Well, at Job Reliant, especially me, I believe that uh, the best recruiter is a hiring manager. And uh, the hiring manager's involvement is so important that it's not enough uh, to just have the final interview and to make the final decision. It starts from the very beginning, like uh, to identify candidate profiles, if there is like a help of recruiter, to guide basically them uh, through your expectations, uh, giving some specific profiles, uh, assessing uh, profiles, presenting. So it's not just uh, one hour meeting. Um, how much do you, mm. do you think uh, hiring managers should be involved and uh, in, in terms like of the whole process? I, I think the way um, I would think about this. I used to be a recruiter myself uh, a few years ago. And when I think about, you know, the most successful client relationships that I had, and and this is a direct correlation to how I think about hiring managers, spending time or being part of the recruitment process. The worst thing you can do is just hand somebody a a job description and tell them, tell the recruiter to go and get you the people, right? And then maybe spend one hour, as you mentioned, doing the interview and then question the person when it doesn't work out. I think in that situation, often the case may be that it's actually the company's fault and not the person's fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, there's there's nuances to every situation. But when I think about the most successful way to do this would be to really, if you're working, if you're a hiring manager who's working with a recruitment team, allow the recruitment team into your team and to understand who is your team what are they what are they working on what do they care about who are the different personalities in the team and then help translate that to the candidates i think that's the only way because when i yeah when i reflect back on on the best relationships that i had with clients where with those who allowed me to come and spend time in their office uh, and you know, showed me everything that they were working on. So I could very passionately explain and translate um, that back to uh, the candidates that I was trying to source for them mm-hmm. because it went way beyond just saying like, here's the job description, here's how much they're paying. Why would you, why would anyone be excited about that? So, and and then, you know, I still actually have folks who I placed six, seven years ago at working at those same companies. And it was because of, the the relationship that went both ways between me and the hiring manager in yeah investing that time to allow the recruitment team to spend time and get to know your team's culture the things you care about is is the best way 
to uh, avoid these kind of failures. Yeah, I totally agree. And, um, and you know, most of the companies don't do that if there's an external recruiter. And I uh, used to be an external recruiter myself for uh, quite a few years. And it was really tough. Like I wasn't sleeping at night uh, and was trying to make the decision, uh, which candidate shall I present to the hiring manager? And it was so difficult, you know, to... Uh, assess the personal cultural match and uh, all the other criteria and sometimes mm. you don't know what are the priorities maybe the person is not so strong uh, at some uh, kind of the uh, area but uh, hiring manager actually don't expect that they uh, appreciate motivation more and it's very difficult you know to just to uh, know what each of the hiring manager is expecting. But what I also found out, especially working in-house, is um, what it's very important is to get the involvement of the hiring managers, not only showing how they deal and what kind of the people in terms of personality they're looking for, but to work reviewing the potential candidates' profiles before reaching to them out. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, there's such a much of value in that. And it's, of course, it's a very boring and time-consuming task. And it was very difficult in the very beginning to convince hiring managers to sit down and uh, have a look at 50 or sometimes 100 uh, candidates' list. But when you do the outreach, you are sure that hiring manager is interested in uh, talking to these people, right? You're not wasting anyone's time and it's so efficient yeah. you know, at the end. Absolutely. And like, yeah, my point was, you know, I, I, I was talking about my experience as an external <clears throat> recruiter, but actually this, the same principle applies if in-house, mm -hmm. internal teams, because, you know, you end up often working in, in silos uh, and, Again, it's the same situation. You're just handed, the hiring managers are just handing, you know, a bunch of uh, job descriptions and saying, go and get me those people. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I remember talking a few years ago to, um, I think he was like a VP of design at Audible. And we, we were talking about a similar kind of conversation, actually, to, to this. We we're talking about recruitment failures and successes. And he told me about his challenge that he had scaling the team at, at Audible when I think they were acquired by uh, Amazon. Um, mm -hmm. And it was, he said, you know, we would, we had a recruitment team, we uh, would hand over a bunch of requirements and the people they sent us were never a match. And then he told me about what he did to change that, which was he talked to the recruitment team and said, does anybody here have like a genuine interest in design in some way? Mm -hmm. And one person put their hand up. And so he then started bringing uh, this recruiter into their team stand-up, into their design reviews, into their design critiques, showing them the whole, this person, showing this person the whole breadth of the culture mm -hmm. of the design team at Audible. And he said, that changed. The, the people we started receiving was like night and day. Yeah, And so... That's, it, it, you know, the same principle applies in-house. Bring the people in with you and 
you'll see some magic. Yeah, yeah. And it's also important, uh, you know, to understand the specific area, right? If you are a recruiter, how come do you know about the designing industry, right? You don't know nothing if no one tells you about it. So, yeah, it's it's extremely important. I, I totally agree. And to summarize this, what would be your main insight or main uh suggestion uh, for other hiring managers and uh, yeah, the people who uh, need to hire? Um, I think as, as hiring managers, as leaders, we're, we're busy, but carve out the time to do the dirty work mm-hmm. in the early stages. Don't expect somebody else to do it for you and then bring you the perfect results. It's just, especially when we're dealing, you know, with something like we're, we're dealing with human beings here, right? And so a job, just handing over somebody a job description, expecting to then receive the perfect candidates. If the, if the recruiter or whoever is, is helping you do the hiring had no previous context on who you are, what your team does and cares about, it's pretty tough to do. So invest the time to do the dirty work. Like you said, review the, the CVs with the person who's helping you hire, help them calibrate to understand what you're looking for, it'll be uh, time very well invested. Great, great. Thank you, Mendoga, so much for your time and for sharing your story and insights. Of course, thank you for having me. And thank you to all the listeners. For more podcasts, please visit jobrely.com.